Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Glenn Gilmore. And before we get to Glenn, I'm going to give a few announcements. And first and foremost, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there, see some articles that I've written, see some articles that the guests have written. You can see links to our social media. You can see links to their social media. Our media is, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's links to our Facebook page. There's links to Apple Podcast and Stitcher Radio if you are so inclined to listen and subscribe on those platforms. And if you are on those platforms, I ask, as always, to please give us a good rating. That helps people find the show and boosts our presence there. So that's a cool thing to do. And if you think you or somebody you know might be good for the show, drop me a line at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Okay, Glenn Gilmore. I met Glenn on my most recent trip to Canada on the Rocky Mountaineer train. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know I've done a couple trips on Rocky Mountaineer. This was the third. It was a small group on the train, and it was kind of a reunion of sorts for some of the other brand ambassadors from a few years ago with one new face aboard, and that was Glenn Gilmore. So Glenn was the newcomer in the group and the only other male in the group, so that was kind of a nice thing to have another guy around. Not that I don't love my other bloggers and brand ambassadors. Now, Glenn Gilmore is one of those guys that makes me feel like I don't do nearly enough with my time. <laughs> He's done a lot of things. He was a mayor of a town in New Jersey. He's an adjunct professor at Rutgers University. He flies around the world uh, talking about business matters. He's a lawyer. When we had met, uh, he had gone straight to Vancouver from China where he was giving a, uh, a talk and, and a lecture there and interviewing one of the heads of uh, giant industry over in China. His travel site is called Travel Esquire. You can follow him on Instagram at Glenn Gilmore, and he's Travel Esquire on Twitter. But the home for everything he does is at glengilmore.com. And he was just a, a really interesting guy. So Rocky Mountaineer was kind of a whirlwind trip. I mean, it was only a few days, and we were always uh, running here and there doing something. And it was tough to pin him down to try to get an interview. But it turns out we had time in the airport in Calgary as we were about to fly home our separate ways. So we recorded this in the Aspire Lounge in the Calgary airport, which worked out okay because with a busy guy like Glenn, you got to pin him down where you can get him. And he was nice enough to uh, spend some time with me and just talk about all the things he does. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Travel Esquire's Glenn Gilmore. We are in the airport lounge. The Aspire Airport Lounge of the Calgary Airport, which is a lovely airport. So uh, if you ever get the chance and you need to kill time here interviewing somebody, uh, come to the Aspire Airport Lounge. Okay. Glenn Gilmore, you wear many hats. Uh, when people ask you what you do, 
You do a lot of things. So what do you? What's your elevator answer? I follow my passions, and so uh, although I'm a lawyer by profession, I'm also a, a travel blogger. I'm also a, a member of the adjunct faculty at Rutgers University, and uh, I work with uh, brands to help them uh, in the social media space. Your background is fascinating because uh, you're a lawyer by practice, and you were a mayor. In New Jersey. So tell me about that. What was the town and how big was it? I, I was mayor of uh, Hamilton, New Jersey, which uh, is a community of about 90,000 people. And uh, it was a wonderful experience. Uh, I served uh, as mayor for uh, two terms, eight years. And as mayor, you're the chief executive, which means that, that when people dream things, you can uh, hopefully make those dreams happen, whether it's uh, helping to build a new senior citizen center or preserving more open space or doing what you can to uh, create more jobs. What made you leave public service? Well, I, I lost my, my third, <laughs> my third uh, uh, bid for, uh, for election to uh, someone who said he was going to clean up government. Uh, he was later uh, arrested by the FBI for soliciting bribery. So uh, it was a very close election, uh, but it was time to move on, obviously. Uh, yeah. But you lost to a man of strong character, really. <laughs> so it seems. Yeah. Well, um, when did the... Well, first we would tell your uh, site and uh, the travel aspect, because this is a travel podcast. When did you get into travel blogging? Do you know, right after I left the mayor's office, uh, I decided to give myself a little bit of a sabbatical and uh, travel to uh, Thailand, learn to uh, scuba dive, uh, went to Alaska, went to a few other places, and uh, at that point uh, started uh, sharing my passion for travel. And the name of the site is? Travel Esquire. Seems amazing that no one grabbed that before you did. Well, I, I, I think I just got lucky. I don't know how many lawyers uh, d decide to uh, take their career and decide to uh, spend it uh, really uh, making a travel a large part of what they do. Uh, and so I got, got a little lucky there. Now, you had just come back, I should tell people, we met on the Rocky Mountaineer train where we just uh, had a just wonderful experience for the last few days, and you were coming right from China. What were you doing in China? In China, I was attending uh, Huawei Connect, which is a uh, uh, tech conference uh, uh, sponsored by Huawei, which I'm also a, uh, a key opinion leader uh, with, which means that uh, I help them understand as well what's happening in the social media space, and also as a uh, tech leader as well, uh, learning and sharing about uh, new developments in uh, technology. Key opinion leader. That's a nice title. How does one get a title? Like, what is it being an opinion leader in title? I mean, what does that entail? I guess what that entails is... Uh, uh, Just give your opinion on stuff? <laughs> no, no. You, you uh, develop a community and a, uh, some level of authority as... Uh, someone who studies uh, emerging technologies, which I do. I'm also an adjunct uh, member of the faculty at Rutgers University where uh, some of the courses I, I uh, teach relate to uh, uh, emerging uh, technologies. And for anyone who wants to try and get into the space, a key opinion leader is like a social media influencer. You share your passion. You would uh, meet with others who teach you. Hopefully you're able to teach them a little bit. And along the way, uh, you have a chance to uh, uh, become a key opinion leader or an influencer, hopefully uh, sharing good information. Was there a number you have to hit of followers or, um, yeah, I guess to your website or to your social media to be considered uh, an opinion person or key influencer? Well, at this point, I know that through my various social media sites, I certainly have over half a million member you know, members of my community. But I don't think there's any magic threshold anymore. I think uh, uh, companies are beginning to realize that, that a micro-influencer is someone who uh, may have 
fewer than 50,000 uh, uh, members of their community can be very helpful to a brand in helping them tell their story and share their story w with a higher level of uh, uh, authenticity. And so I don't think there's a magic number anymore. Now, if you say uh, how to describe your followers, or uh, is there a particular demographic that follows travel uh Esquire? Uh, for Travel Esquire, I, I think we tend to uh, to be more on the luxury travel side. And uh, as you noted, you and I just uh, came as travel bloggers on Rocky Mountaineer. And that certainly is uh, perhaps a premier uh, luxury train, train ride in the world. And uh, I think my community looks to me to share those sort of experiences. And I'm someone very fortunate to have those sort of experiences. So when you get into travel blogging, and I ask this about all bloggers, you, you really want to get your own angle, your own take on what it is. So when you go to a place, let's say your scuba diving trip to Thailand, is it about the luxury travel aspect? Is, do you feature hotels? Is it restaurants? Or is it experiences? I mean, what was your take going to be? Well, although it seems that luxury travel has become a primary focus of Travel Esquire, I really just love to go to a new place and experience as much as I can about that new place. And that's the way I go there. So when you take trips like this, like a media trips. I mean, you must be offered things from hotels and from other venues. Um, how do you choose what to take and what not to take? Well, it, it's all about being transparent about uh, the fact that there is some sort of a, a sponsored re relationship. And so if you look at uh, the posts I share, you'll very often uh, make note of the fact that I've uh, disclosed uh, where there's a brand uh, that has sponsored us. And uh, last night, uh, for example, uh, we were at uh, a uh, uh, Marriott Bonvoy uh, uh, lodge here in uh, in. Canada and had an absolutely wonderful uh, meal. If you visit any of the Travel Esquire sites, you'll see pictures and videos of that fantastic meal. You'll get to see for yourself uh, that it's a spectacular meal. And of course, I disclose that, that uh, uh, they were sponsors for, for that wonderful meal. And I can never say the name of the place we were at. What was the name of the Kananaskis? Uh, you can find it certainly looking at the uh, Marriott Bonvoy. It's yeah. uh, one of their uh, authentic uh, special places to go to with uh, campfires, uh, a Nordic spa, mountains in the background, uh, a wonderful luxury travel place to visit. Now, in terms of uh, travel tales, give me your worst flight experience that you've ever had. Worst or scariest flight experience? Oh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I'm someone who always tries to look for the good side of even bad things and so uh, I'm someone if my train if my train if my plane has been uh, uh, canceled and, and everybody else gives this moan of oh I can't believe I'm I'm going to have to spend uh, the night here uh, some of the best travel experiences I've had have been those unexpected moments for example in Frankfurt I'm told uh, I'm sorry the plane's been canceled for tonight but we'll put you up tonight I explored Frankfurt and had a wonderful time. The, the same happened going through Hong Kong. So I, I would say to, to travelers, uh, uh, catch your breath, make whatever changes you've got to make, but then look for the moment uh, and seize the moment for something good as well. Any uh, scary run-ins with, say, police or border control or governments of other countries? No, I, I try to keep a uh, low profile uh, on the luxury. Big guy. It's hard to keep a low profile. <laughs> it, it is indeed. But no, I, I think, you know, the, the secret to having safe travel is being mindful of and doing a little bit of research before you go to a place. But if you're respectful uh, of yourself and others, I think you're generally going to avoid trouble with just about everyone. So you're going to look me here in the eye, counselor, and tell me you've never like give a little something, a little bribe, a little, little thing to grease the wheels anywhere in the world. No, I have not. Okay, let's see. You heard it here. We got him on tape saying it. Um, okay, any, um, well, I always ask this about people who go to China. 
any uh, food poisoning or anything that anywhere else around the world and in China? I, I have got to tell you, I was just in China uh, about a week ago, and uh, while I was there, I ate some of the most crazy items. Uh, you know, thanks to dear friends I had from China, that, that after I would eat. The, the dish, they would tell me what it was, and I'll spare you the different things I got to eat. But I never once got sick. And uh, uh, even if you're going to street vendors, you know, I, I think uh, I would go with somebody who's local if you can. And uh, uh, my, my friends there, although they had me eat some crazy stuff, had me eat stuff that was safe and good. What is it like doing business with the, with the Chinese corporation and the Chinese government? I assume there's a lot of red tape and bureaucracy involved. And have you been, like, followed around any country or something like that? Well, I, I mainly work with, with, with one brand, and so I, uh, I can only talk from experience there. And uh, the nice thing in working with, with, with Huawei, I, I've had broad access, and uh, uh, what they're determined to do is, despite all the suspicions about China, is to say, we want to be a part of the world community. Uh, tell us what standards you want us to follow, and we'll do our best to, uh, to follow those uh, as well. And so I go there from a brand perspective, and what I do, although I was once in politics, I do my best to stay out of politics these days. Well, we don't talk to uh, much politics on here, but as someone who's a traveler, uh, we have noticed, I know I have, a little bit of a shift in the last three years of how uh, we get around and how we're perceived around the world. Have you noticed uh, a difference, and what have you noticed? Well, I certainly have noticed uh, that people are more aware of changes that have occurred in America. And so uh, every person uh, has an opportunity to be an ambassador for the U.S. if they're from the U.S., and uh, project as best they can uh, a sense of uh, tolerance and a sense of respect. And if they do that, they'll go a long way in restoring uh, a lot of confidence. People uh, uh, have always associated with the U.S. in terms of being a place that, that welcomes uh, diversity and uh, uh, community. Have you lost uh, privileges for any kind of visas anywhere in the last few years? I mean, some of that's changed, like Cuba or something like that. Well, certainly Cuba is, is no longer accessible to, to Americans, and, and that's that's unfortunate. I, I was hoping to get to, to pay a visit there. No, no, I haven't, and I haven't. And, and, and in fact, uh, right before the, uh, the, the uh, newest restrictions, which pre prevent us from, or largely from just about everyone going, they, they have some very minor exceptions, but it makes it extremely difficult. I was hoping to go there because I think one of the best things about travel is it's the greatest uh, antidote for misunderstanding and it, it builds bridges and builds community and so I urge everyone who gets a chance to travel as much as they can as far as they can. You know, we could fly there from Canada. We can get there from here. <laughs> so I got in through uh, Mexico when I was there, so I went through Cancun and did the, yeah, you didn't hear that from me. Everybody. Um, uh, oh, we, we haven't talked about Sicily. You're about to move to Sicily from New Jersey. That is a a hell of a move. So explain the reasons for you to uh, be an expat now. Well, my wife was uh, originally born in uh, Sicily and, and uh, came to the U.S. Uh, at the age of, of 11. And uh, every year we go there and we spend about three weeks uh, there. And uh, uh, we've fallen in love with, well, she was already in love with Sicily because that's where she was from. But I've fallen in love with, with Sicily as well. And uh, as Travel Esquire, I certainly consider myself a global citizen as well. And it's just a, a wonderful moment in our lives where, where we think uh, it'll be nice to uh, spend uh, uh, even more time in Sicily. And I'll continue to be in the U.S. and, and to other parts of the world, but uh, very excited to uh, do a little homesteading in, in Sicily. 
I sense we're going to see a lot more European-based uh, postings on Travel Esquire. That certainly is an advantage of being in Sicily. I look forward to that as well. Uh, how's your Italian? Uh, well, to get uh, my dual citizenship within two years has got to be pretty darn good, so I've got a lot of homework to do. <laughs> what are the uh, problems in getting like a work visa if you're going to make money there? I mean, these countries seem a pretty easy place to retire in. I hear the problems come when you want to make money. Well, as someone who's married to someone who was born in Sicily, I should be able to get dual citizenship rather quickly. And so my circumstances will be a little bit more different than most since I'll be able to go through that process as opposed to coming there as someone who wants to get a work visa and extend that work visa perhaps into a long-term residency. But you still have to pay American taxes forever? I believe uh, I do. And, and uh, as long as I live there, I'll, I'll still uh, re- remember uh, America near and dear because uh, uh, each year I'll have to send them a check as well, which I'm kind of glad to do. Well, aside from Italy, uh, give me your favorite countries to go to, favorite regions that you look forward to every time you go. I have to tell you that this is my second visit to, to Canada as uh, a Rocky Mountaineer brand ambassador and uh, my second time to visit Vancouver and I've absolutely fallen in love with the city of Vancouver and as we go through the Canadian Rockies, they're absolutely uh, breathtaking. Uh, as a traveler, I, I love just about every place I go to and so uh, it's, it's hard. That's a cop-out answer. Come on. Yeah, there's, there's some that, you know, I love it all too, but you, there's got to be some that you look at on the, your itinerary and go, oh, I can't wait to get back there. Well, I can tell you some that I really look forward to going to. For example, uh, uh, Thailand is the sort of place, going to Bangkok and, and you go to a city like Bangkok and there's such a richness of, and variety of things to see and do and that's the, the beauty of travel. You go to a new place, the food is completely different, the sites are completely different, uh, the people, uh, when you get to know them, aren't so different. Uh, they may dress differently, look differently, but at the core, they're no different, uh, which is the beauty of travel again. Well, if I'm going to go on food-based alone, my f- favorite countries are Italy and Thailand. They're one and two, and they, and they vibrate. Yeah, right. I, I, will, I will second that. You just can't go wrong. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, having a, a – uh, my mother-in-law just passed away recently, but, but she uh, lived with us, and uh, I was treated to wonderful Italian cooking every day. And when I visit there, certainly it's spectacular. But like you, I also am particularly fond of Thai food. And, again, when you ask about how safe is it to eat food, street food – I never had a problem. Never had a problem there either, so uh, uh, I, I can certainly uh, say that those are two wonderful places to, to visit for the culinary aspects of, of travel. Where do you think is the next uh, hot new area for travel that maybe people haven't discovered yet? Well, I, I think if, if you look at even places that are well traveled to, there are nooks and crannies of it that that some people overlook. Uh, I had done a uh, uh, brand ambassadorship w- with Istria, uh, which is the, th- the southern part of Croatia. Oh, I love that place. Yeah, and so everyone goes, it seems, to some key cities in... in, in yeah, they go to Dubrovnik. And- uh, precisely, and, and where the crowds are immense, and certainly they're worth going to, but if you travel a little deeper and go a little bit farther off the beaten path, you can go to places like Istria and find a, a less traveled equally magical uh, uh, place that, that's somewhat undiscovered. So I would, you know, if you have an interest in going to uh, a place like Dubrovnik, uh, if you're a Game of Thrones fan and you say, i got to go there, ask and say, where else should I go when I'm there? And you'll be amazed at places that, that are less traveled, less crowded, and equally amazing.
Well, uh, if you had a, I hate the term bucket list, but is there a list of places that are you're dying to get to you haven't been yet, aside from Cuba? All right, you'll say this is cop-out, but when people ask me where I want to visit most, it's wherever I've never been before. And on that bucket list, uh, I know you just came back from a guerrilla trekking in Uganda and Rwanda. Put that at the very top of my list, along with Galapagos, along with uh, the Antarctica, um, I have not explored much in Africa, and so I need to get there. I haven't explored mon- much in uh, uh, South America, so I need to get there. And so I've got a lot more traveling to do. How is your wife in terms of travel? Can she Does she ever join you on these trips, or is she a good traveler? Well, uh, she is She is a good traveler, uh, but I travel a little too much for her liking. Uh, the, the agreement that she negotiated is that every year we spend uh, three weeks in Sicily, and now she seems to have won out on the agreement because now we're moving to Sicily. <laughs> we're going to live there. But... Uh, 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 we've taken some wonderful road trips in Sicily, and so my thought is, too, once uh, we move there, a lot of my travels are going to be local travel, but local travel for me w- will then be travel around Sicily. Well, how is this going to affect like your workload in terms of, um, I don't know, are you going to take fewer, like maybe paid sponsorships or anything like that, or are you just going to work on a new market over there and market yourself there? And are you going to grow a more global audience by going over there? Or does it matter in the world of the Internet these days? In the world of the Internet today, it, it really doesn't matter so much. I, I consider myself a, quote-unquote, digital nomad. And so uh, living in the U.S., more than half of the time I spend these days is out of the country. And that's been that way for at least the last three years. Uh, if you have a smartphone, forget about even having a laptop. If you have a smartphone and you're a digital nomad, you can get a lot of work done and do a lot of contacts. I like to be within an hour of an airport uh, where I'll be living in Sicily, Valalba, a small little village of a few hundred people, although they may exaggerate the number that actually live there. I think it's uh, uh, pretty pretty modest. But, but there are two airports uh, not so far away. We've got Palermo and we've got uh, Catania. So as long as I've got an airport to go to, my clients will don't care where I fly in from, and most of the work I do is online anyway. So I think that I think that's going to be like uh, a lifesaver for some of these, I guess, quote unquote, old Europe countries, places like Spain and Italy and things like that, and Portugal, where the economy is not great. I mean, they get a lot of exodus of their best and brightest because there's just not a lot of jobs there anymore, and they have these old towns where they're trying to pay people to come live there and and repopulate it basically um but everybody loves the lifestyle but they can't work there so i think this like digital nomads would be a boon to a place like that as long as the wi-fi is fast i mean and stable it's still in the eu and people love living there so thailand is a huge digital nomad place i've talked to a number of people that live up in chiang mai and places like that where do you see the italian government and business community uh, headed i mean because they've been stagnant for a long time i i think you what you'll see is uh, that they'll recognize the fact that that however small a particular community there might be it's magic to to most of the rest of the world and if they can do some promotion i think they'll find as you pointed out people who have the ability to to work digitally uh can uh, say to themselves 
that life that I've always dreamed of, I can actually have because I can go there affordably, live there affordably, and be surrounded by magic uh, every day. I, uh, you know, uh, yes, and, and eat uh, eat spectacularly well. So I, I think for uh, for Italy, uh, digital nomads will be an absolute boon. And I think for companies too, uh, they'll look to assist uh, their uh, employees uh, in the future of work uh, to to help them. Uh, be in locations that have good Wi-Fi and have a good quality of life so they have happy employees wherever they may be digitally. Well, you stuck, uh, have you stuck with the, with the scuba diving and do you do other uh, extreme events? You told me about jumping out of a helicopter. Where was that? Well, well, that was actually with the New Jersey Army National Guard many years ago. But, but, but uh, subsequent to that, uh, you know, uh, I uh, don't pass up an adventure when I'm offered. So, for example, when I was in Croatia, I did some uh, uh, paragliding uh, while I was there. Uh, wherever I go in the world, if uh, there's something that, that's fun and exciting to do, uh, I'll, I'll look forward to, uh, to giving it a chance and letting my viewers uh, decide for themselves whether it's something that, that they should be doing, whether they'd want to do. And uh, again, that's one of the great privileges uh, that I have. How much of your content is uh, photos? How much is video? And what platforms are your favorites that you utilize the most? I, I try and uh, share where, where my community is and uh, where they're evolving to. And so, uh, although you can uh, see that I'm very active on uh, Travel Esquire on Twitter and on Facebook, I also realize that, that uh, social media is evolving to picture storytelling. And so Instagram becomes the, the next uh, great place for, not the next great place, it is the place. Right now, uh, Instagram is really eclipsing all the other uh, social sites. And so uh, for my travel, that's where unfortunately I wasn't able to get that site on Instagram, so I'm Glenn Gilmore uh, on uh, on Instagram. And uh, but if you go to Travel Esquire and many uh, on my other sites, you'll be able to find me on on Instagram as well. Uh, this week, I also uh, shared my first uh, uh, TikTok post, and so uh, well, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> so you know, I recognize, especially as someone who teaches a, a social and digital marketing at Rutgers University, one of the things I always tell our our students, and our students can be middle level people at, at, at major brands that, that you've got to be where your community is or the community you hope to connect with. And so I recognize that, that I have to be agile, uh, not only in my travel, but also in my uh, social media sharing. Yeah, you're, you're far ahead of it, way farther than I am. So just explain the TikTok to me. Well, uh, if you take a look at uh, TikTok, uh, the creators on there are absolutely incredible. Uh, they have videos that, that last about five seconds, but it's got music, it's got entertainment, it's got uh, uh, different uh, emojis and so it is this burst of, of entertainment in a very short uh, moment so it takes a lot of creativity to, to uh, excel there uh, and so I, I think you're going to well there certainly is a, a great migration and interest in TikTok but the challenge is to be a creator there and a sharer there you've got to be really good with your creativity so with my little blurb of, of, a, of a post that I shared on TikTok uh, the other day. It took much longer than, than I know that it should have, but I look forward to, to trying to uh, share more on uh, TikTok at uh, Glenn Gilmore. Not, not Glenn Gilmore. It's actually at Travel Esquire on TikTok. So, so you're saying I should give up my MySpace page? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your what page? <laughs> um, even in the short time I've been doing travel blogging and things like that, it's changed. I mean, you have these influencers that uh, get a million followers by being in a bikini 
around the world, and then you have others putting on really edited and, and sharp content, and other people just like posting anything is more about quantity than quality. Where do you see it all all going? Uh, as an instructor of digital marketing at Rutgers, uh, we make it a point to try and study trends in social media marketing. And what we see is that the big brand influencers, the people with 3 million followers who are living a rich lifestyle all the time. I do not. Uh, but, but there are some who project uh, that they do all the time and every picture is a perfect picture. What uh, we're seeing by way of a trend is that that's not where people want to spend their time because it's a little too unrealistic. And so brands are recognizing that, that micro-influencers influencers with smaller communities tend to portray a life that's a little more uh, common and a life that we can connect to more. So we're saying that, that consumers are demanding authenticity. We want people that we can connect with in, in some real way. And so I think even for us who, who view photos or videos, we kind of like some of the live streaming because we know it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be entirely polished. And so even with the content, uh, for those who want to make it into this space, uh, don't labor so much over getting the perfect picture. Uh, just be passionate. Share what, what you connect with. And if you share what you connect with, others will connect with you as well. But you've seen, you've taken some, some jobs and some brand ambassadorships and have some of them not worked out? the way you thought and do you still feel obligated i mean you have to write something or do something good i mean or can you say hey this wasn't i mean, would your readers expect you saying well you know this the food that they advertise is not really what you get i mean you're caught in that conundrum i mean what do you do when when that happens well, the first thing I do is take a hard look at who's invited me to, to have a uh, association with them to, to do a, a sponsored trip or some sponsored content. And I turn down more uh, invitations than I, than I accept because you'll get invitations from brands, products, services that want you to share a post. They're going to pay you for it. They're really not asking so much of a high threshold for your content, but they're, they're offering you something for it. Uh, and I typically reject ones that, that I don't find really good or really exciting. And so at the gate, I stop a lot that, that aren't going to connect with me or my community. And if I find that, that when I'm perhaps at a restaurant that, that's really bad, that uh, I've been invited to, I, I have to say that, that uh, I just don't write about it. And so, uh, but if I do, uh, rest assured, if I uh, tell you that, that I love something, I loved it. Uh, if I haven't written about it, you know, uh, you can wonder why I haven't been there, or you may guess why I haven't written about it. But that's the way I, I approach it. I, I mean, people have bad days, people have tough, tough moments, and so I don't judge a restaurant on one meal. Uh, although I can tell you that, that if I uh, if I've had an exceptional meal, I know they've got magic working in the kitchen. And uh, but but if I if uh, I've been asked to do a, a sponsorship and it hasn't worked out, uh, I'll just have to fold my cards and and return uh, uh, whatever might have been offered because uh, I don't want to put either of us in a bad place. So it's been like 30 years since I've been in college, and when I was there, this internet thing didn't exist, and so now you're dealing with students who've grown up with the internet their entire lives and the terms like influencer or something like that uh, it seems like a, a a very valid goal for them or something where do you how do you deal with that and where do you see them what do you see them wanting to do and 
uh, do you have to teach them in a different way? I, I don't know. It, it, it's a different business world, and you have to evolve all the time. I'm a dinosaur. I'm a dinosaur in all this. But they think, uh, you know, what do they want to be? I mean, I, we used to want to be on TV, but like my niece and nephew don't even watch TV. Yeah, they'd rather be on YouTube. You know what I mean? So it's a different goal. Where, where do you see them wanting to be? What they want to be able to do is to be noticed. <laughs> yeah, that, but that's a little scary. There's a lot of ways to be noticed, and they're not all good. You know? Absolutely. And, and this is why, really, if we were to talk kind of like philosophically, uh, I, I think really the, the best advice to, to give is to follow your passion and focus on being as good at something that you're passionate about. And once you are, be social and, and, and share your passions. And if you do that, and that's really been what, what I tell people in terms of the community that, that I've created uh, that kind of has gravitated to me is that I share my journey of learning, a journey of learning in, in travel, a journey of learning in technology. And most people can find out what I'm discovering by what I'm sharing. And so I, I would uh, encourage people, rather than focus on how many followers they have, focus on the experience they're having. And if they do that, community will come. What do you find their interest in being? And like, is it a lot of, uh, I don't know, music or their art or just, you know, being, posting sexy videos? I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of ways to get followers and also you can buy followers. So how do you deal with that thing? And and uh, I think there's algorithms now that can weed out a lot of a lot of those people that buy followers. There's, there's a way to find them. I mean, do you see that? I mean, that's a shortcut that, you know, it could be dangerous. It it, it is worse than dangerous. It's uh, really deceiving. And uh, uh, I've seen uh, the different social networks uh, where they have suddenly knocked out a bunch of bots and a bunch of uh, fake accounts. And suddenly influencers uh, the next day uh, wake up and they're not as influential as they were before. And it becomes obvious to people that, that uh, their influence was bought, not earned. And uh, if you care about your community, care about growing it authentically, which, which means working hard, sharing the best content you can, but uh, don't take the chance of, of buying fake followers because rest assured, uh, the, the companies that you want to uh, collaborate with will figure it out pretty quickly and you will have put yourself in a very, very bad way. So you've got to be patient. Uh, there are very few overnight uh, uh, successes. There are certainly viral videos, but they're rare events. Um, most people who've created a community have done so over time and then you look at them and say well how did they get that many well ask them about how many years they spent making mistakes making new discoveries and just uh, being uh, persistent uh, uh, about it for free you know all those times they did, you know, spent all those years building it for nothing you said you wouldn't turn anything down anything I mean have you done like is, do you have a fear like, is it sharks or uh, anything? Do you have any kind of, like, snakes? What is it? Well, I, I shared uh, on my uh, uh, Twitter stream uh, at Travel Esquire uh, yesterday uh, someone standing on, on a razor edge of a mountain uh, that, that had sharp cliffs on both sides. I would not do that. I mean, I, I'm an, adventurer per, uh, an adventurous person, but, but I also ask myself, are the risks of this. I don't want to be stupid. And, 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 and if uh, you say to yourself, this looks kind of dangerous and stupid, don't do it. But if it looks like it, it, it has been tested, has been proven, has good safeguards to it, 
then I tend to be adventurous, uh, whether it's uh, rappelling down a, a mountainside or, or uh, uh, paragliding with, with someone who's been an expert in, in the space for, for a long while. I do try and make that threshold assessment. Is this going to be responsible or is it just going to be stupid? Stupid I don't do, adventurous I do. Well, give us your pet peeves about travel, specifically, say, flying. I know you're a frequent flyer. What's your preferred airline, and what do you hate about airports? If you could change, wave a magic wand and change anything, what would you change? Well, I, I will say that, that I'm very fond of United, and uh, the experiences that I've had have always been really good with them, although uh, we're flying on uh, uh, Canadian Air Canada today, and these folks here have been absolutely uh, uh, wonderful. Uh, what bothers me most when I travel is people who don't uh, pack some patience with them when they travel. Uh, I was at uh, Newark Airport uh, the other day coming here, and they're really crowded airport. And uh, in the seating area, there was a, a mom who had a, a baby who was crying. Well, that, of course, that's going to happen. All of a sudden, a, uh, um, a middle-aged woman turns around and says, shut that baby up. I'm like, my God, it's a baby. The mom is doing all she can to, to nurture and soothe that child, but it's a baby that's crying. And so when you go to an airport, I understand people are going to be stressed because a lot of people aren't going for the fun things I may be going for. So they may come there stressed. But do as much as you can to understand you may not be the only stressed traveler and to add and make sure you always bring as part of your, your packing list patience and a little sense of humor. So now we get to uh, defend your home state of New Jersey and give us the places that give a little love to Jersey and where should people go that maybe they had not have heard of and what what should they know about New Jersey that we don't know? Well, I, I uh, was a mayor of, of Hamilton, New Jersey, in Mercer County, so I've got to begin there. We have in our community the Grounds for Sculpture, which is a, uh, I believe it's about a 42-acre outdoor sculpture park, which is absolutely magnificent. And it's one of those gems uh, that uh, uh, people in L.A. and New York seem to know about, but not many other places. And uh, if you go there, they have a fantastic uh, restaurant called Rats. You didn't rats, as in R A T uh, apostrophe S uh, from a book, Wind in the Willows. It's one of the characters in uh, Wind of the Willows, and it's very warm. I I I was mayor when uh, it was about to be open. I did ask uh, my dear friend Stuart Johnson, was there any way we can call this something other than rats? And he said no. So so there you are. But people have come to know it and love it. So if you're uh, in New Jersey, or even if you're in New York and want to take a, an easy 45-minute train ride, pay a visit to Hamilton, to the Grounds for Sculpture. You will be glad you did. Make sure you, you book a, a lunch or, or dinner. Uh, if you do, you can also uh, walk the Grounds for Sculpture uh, as well. And uh, they do have indoor areas of uh, uh, the art space uh, as well. But it's uh, principally an outdoor sculpture park with incredible landscaping. And uh, I, I don't think there's there are many uh, sculpture parks I've been to that come close to, to rivaling it. That's a tough sell to get people to go to Rats for dinner. <laughs> what kind of food is it? Uh, it's a, a French provincial. Uh, it is very. It is a very fancy and, and, a, and a somewhat expensive uh, uh, restaurant. But uh, uh, if you're going for the splurge, go there and make sure you order desserts because the desserts are spectacular as well. They've got a uh, 
pretty incredible uh, wine collection. Uh, they also do have a, a, a bar uh, there called Kabul, which you can go into if you were on a lower budget, sit at the bar, grab a, a, a happy hour uh, burger and, and uh, a glass of wine and walk the grounds. So it's not called the Rat's Keller, the bar? <laughs> One would have thought that would have been the, the, the likely name, but no, it, it's uh, uh, Kabul. So if you're going to go to the shore... From where you live, what beach do you go to? Well, growing up, uh, my folks had a place down at Avon by the Sea, which is near uh, Asbury Park. And uh, I love the Jersey Shore any time of the year. I love to take walks on the beach. And so uh, in the wintertime, in the fall time, uh, in the summertime, it is certainly it, it's great to go swimming when you catch that window where the water's warm. Uh, and again, I'll, I love to go there after 5 o'clock or before six o'clock in the morning uh, so that you can have the beach to, to yourself a little bit. But uh, Jersey Shore has got the the nice uh, sandy large beaches and uh, although we've had some tough time with, with, with some of the uh, uh, weather, uh, we generally do a good job at getting our beaches back in order and uh, they've got fun places to visit. And you were in Philly for a while. Give me uh, your top other than the uh, touristy spots. What should people see in Philly that maybe we don't know? Well, I'm just a, a big believer in going to, to a city and just wandering. And uh, you know, Center City is where everyone tends to begin. Rittenhouse Square, uh, which is literally, you know, Philadelphia, uh, which was drawn up by William Penn, uh, has a lot of, of squares, which are uh, in the center. There's a park and there's a neighborhood around it. Uh, Rittenhouse Square is considered like the premier place to begin and uh, in it it's got uh, different uh, uh, restaurants uh, Rouge for example is a place where I think Oprah Winfrey said she had the best hamburger ever although it's again a fancy restaurant you can get a, a nice uh, uh, burger there and uh, made with Kobe beef and truffle oil and everything else oh you you can get in uh, Philly's got fantastic and not only do we have the the cheesesteaks there uh, but we also have some uh, great uh, uh, big steaks uh, as well uh, so for people who may be visiting for the first time in Philly, uh, take a, a visit to Rittenhouse Square uh, and and walk from there. Walk down to Old City and uh, uh, walk over to Society Hill. And, and these are different little neighborhoods with their own flavors. In the evening, go to, to Fishtown, which has a lot of, uh, again, wonderful experimental restaurants, uh, small mom-and-pop places that, that are really uh, doing a wonderful job with, with making food and art. Well, we got to wrap this up because i got to get on a plane. But... Um Finally, what do you think all this uh, travel and all the, your experiences around the world, how has it shaped you as a person, and how has it made you look at the world differently and maybe look at our country and our lives differently? How has it changed you? It, it's changed me in, in making me a far more tolerant, understanding uh, person, re realizing that, that uh, uh, the only way to make any country great is by making the world great. And uh, we've got to focus on the fact that, that we do share this small blue dot. And uh, the more we learn about each other, the more we share each other, uh, the better a place it'll be. Well, great. It was, uh, it was a pleasure to meet you. And uh, thank you for doing this. And I hope you make your flight because I'll be long gone by the time you get <laughs> knock on wood. I'm knocking on wood. And uh, give us the websites again and uh, all the social media. This is where you get in your plugs. Advertise yourself. That's very kind of you. Travel Esquire on Twitter, Travel Esquire on Facebook. On Instagram, where I need you the most, it's uh, Glenn Gilmore, G-L-E-N-G-I-L-M-O-R-E. Mike, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Glenn Gilmore, everyone. Thank you.